Hello and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. On this episode, I speak to James Adomian, who is a comedian, actor, host of the Underculture podcast. I speak to him about lots of funny things and lots of scary things like Donald Trump, obviously, and the upcoming election, plus something that's very important and the media is not covering, which is the situation in Armenia. You never know that Armenia and Azerbaijan are on the brink of war. Before I speak to James, I speak to Victor Pugy, journalist based in Brazil. He's also the producer of the excellent YouTube show System Update with Glenn Greenwald. Also, you're definitely going to want to join the Patreon for this week if you don't already belong at the $5 level. That's $5 a month. Of course, if you can't afford that, you can just support the show at $1 a month. But on this week's Patreon, I'm going to release James Adomian impersonating Jesse Ventura as well as impersonating and discussing Alex Jones. And to do that, go to patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Wednesday, October 7th, Matt Taibbi and I will be doing one of his legendary drinking games where we drink with the debate according to the rules that he writes. And that will be Wednesday, October 7th at 8.30 p.m. on my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's youtube.com slash the Katie Helper Show. And that'll be a really fun way for you to watch the painful debates. We're going to talk not about Trump, because who the hell knows? And honestly, while we're streaming, he could die. Let's talk about other leaders, how other leaders have dealt with COVID because Janine Añez had it in Bolivia, Boris Johnson had it, and Bolsonaro in Brazil, and now Trump. So here's who I have coming on, ready? Victor Fuji, who is based in Brazil and is with the Intercept Brazil. Hi, Victor. How are you? Hi, Katie. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Let us talk about what it was like when Trump ally Bolsonaro was diagnosed with COVID and how you found out and what the effect on the country was. It was uh, a shit show. I mean, can we say that? Yeah, yes. right? Yeah. 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 It was a shit show. It, it had been, right? I, I guess not many American listeners would be that informed about Brazil, but your listeners will because you keep covering it very well. But uh, yeah, I mean, both the whole COVID situation here in Brazil with Bolsonaro is absolutely chaotic. Uh, in the sense that it, it, there is really no government, uh, governmental policy in, in the federal level, in the presidential level. So I just punted it kind of to the governors and to the, the local governments and, and just keeps like deflecting the blame and just throwing it onto them. So from the start, it was pretty chaotic. And uh, there's actually like two different instances of when we thought Bolsonaro had COVID, first of which turned out he didn't have, or at least that's what the story became. And then he did have later. But I think actually the, the, the time he didn't really have COVID is the, the, the one that's the most fun because um, he had just been to Mar-a-Lago. He was in, in Florida to, to meet with Trump in May, uh, early May. And uh, as they came back, him and his entourage, people around him started um, testing positive, uh, which was kind of like cool because it became a countrywide soap opera of like does the president have it like his aide has it another aide has it another aide has it and then it became even cooler because uh the mystery became if he had given it to trump 
right. uh, which was when, uh, which was like the, the biggest uh, question around Brazil. And there was a whole mess because uh, his son, his like largest fail son, um, he's just like Trump. He is like followed about by his adult children that are like right. unbearably dumb. Uh, but uh, he had given a, an, an uh, confirmed it to to Fox News to John Roberts uh, that he had tested positive, and then he backtracked it, and no one quite believed it. But you know, it was up in the air like that. How how a lot of the time things are with Bolsonaro. But then, you know, the, the bottom line was that he didn't really have COVID, but just most of his AIDS. But um, that first moment was kind of a, a preview of what would happen because, um, you know, while he hadn't been confirmed if he had it or he didn't, he, it was confirmed that he, were, he was near people who had tested positive. And nonetheless, he was just like walking around, meeting people, shaking hands, like coffee on people and you know, being his like himself normally, even though he had potentially had COVID. Uh, but then in June, in July rather, uh, he did actually get COVID. Uh, and it just became clear how totally inadequate any anything was because he just kept meeting with people. There was like no quarantine, people were going in and out. Uh, he actually gave an interview to reporters confirming he was sick. And during that interview, he was like, yeah, well, yeah, I tested positive. That's so sad. But I'm going to remove my mask to show you how I'm actually healthy. So, yeah, it was just absolutely insane. But he was man and he, he was able to kind of walk it out in a way that I don't think Trump will be because he didn't really get very sick. So he worked in his favor because he could say, see, it's not a big deal. Like, it's not that bad. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fine. Right. And he was just meeting people and he, it's likely that he spread it to, to some people, which is crazy. I understand what you're saying that it sounds like they're different, right? Trump looks like he's, I mean, he is at Walter Reed, so it looks a bit yeah. more serious than in Bolsonaro's case. But um, if Trump survives and fully recovers, let's say, I still think he can do what Bolsonaro did, which is say, look, I'm obviously in good shape which is why I survived. And look, mm -hmm. see, I was right that I was like, uh, not to play it down, although it's kind of incredible that he has said on record, and we know this, that he downplayed it. Yeah, I mean. I don't, there's so many missed opportunities for Biden. I talked about this on Useful Idiots, but like he should be, I mean, he should have said young people can get it. He should have named a couple of people who died. I mean, politicians are so good at these things, right? I met a woman in in yeah, um, exactly. Springfield, whatever state, and she told me, yeah. blah, blah, just name pe some people who like died. mother of two said. children, and yeah, then exactly. she was like, yeah. Right, right. So name yeah. a, exactly, that's what you should do. Anyway, he didn't do that. But um, yeah. my worry is that Trump will, if he survives and is in good health, he'll be like, yeah, I was, I'm in great health. Nothing mm -hmm. happened, and that's why... I didn't, you know, and I didn't need to take these crazy precautions. And I, you know, I didn't wear a mask and I got it and look what happened. So anyway. Yeah. I mean, it is so sad because Biden like never misses the opportunity to miss an opportunity. Right. And Trump, on the other hand, always like makes an opportunity out of things that yeah, shouldn't exactly. be opportunities for right. him. So right. uh, 
it could go wrong. But I think that uh, if it does, I mean, it's hard to tell. It's just happening. Like everything yeah. is shrouded in like layers and layers of like right. unknowns. What was it? The George Bush quote? There's like the non-unknowns. And the oh, unknowns. yeah. No knowns and unknown yeah. knowns. That was actually, um, uh, what's his name? Not Bush. Uh, his Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld, Rumsfeld. Yeah. Who, was, who, by the yeah. way, people yeah. listed one year as one of the 50 most beautiful people. They should really? have, if they had like a war criminals edition, he would be wow. up there just yeah. because he's not so hideous. And you have like David Frum and uh, Henry Kissinger. So like the bar is very low. He could yeah. be a supermodel among I war mean, criminals, but for a civilian, no. On the like the Hague hottest. Yeah, the hottest yeah. of the Hague. The Hague's hottest. Yeah. That's good. Okay. I like that. Bolsonaro, this wasn't his only time uh, cheating death. He got stabbed, right, during his first, yeah. during his, um, what can I you mean, talk about what happened there? I, I think that is probably the, the most important event of the of the election season. It was while everything was still up in the air and Bolsonaro was stabbed. I mean, it was, it was a, a really terrible thing that actually happened. And, and it could be argued that that's when he became electable, right? Because he was an extremist guy and he was aggressive and mean and awful, right? And then he became like a, a sympathetic character because right. he was on the hospital having been stabbed by a crazy person. Right. Uh, and I think there's there's something else, which is that the center-right candidate, because a lot of the time the discourse around Trump and uh, Bolsonaro is that the, the left wing is as a, a left wing having lost and given place to the far right. I would argue that it was actually the center right that collapsed that allowed for the for the far right to to rise. So, like, what you would expect in the Republican Party, like the Marco Rubios or the right. Jeb Bushes, they were the ones that collapsed, not the left one. But whatever. This is, um, here in Brazil, the center right candidate was the the kind of like the establishment guy that everyone wanted. You know, all the powers that be wanted him to have been elected, not Bolsonaro, because Bolsonaro was actually dangerous for them most of the i guess similar to trump in, in yeah. some ways yeah uh, so that center-right guy his campaign was uh focused on on bolsonaro not letting bolsonaro grow he would be the 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 polarization with the left he would win right. when bolsonaro was stabbed all his attack ads against bolsonaro they had to pocket pull it back attack the left and then bolsonaro was like you know, no one was was attacking him. Right, because it was so. So I think that that is the most important thing stabbed. that happened. Yeah, and he didn't even like the guy who stabbed him was mentally ill, right? Who was the person who stabbed yeah. him? Yeah, uh, he is a uh, mentally ill guy. That that is the he has been uh, taken by like these forensic psychologists guys like three or four times have attested him as being mentally ill. But of course, there is a. a, a an awkward thing that he was once uh, a member of a left-wing political mm. party. Right. Uh, so, you know, it gets muddled and complicated right. and then it becomes like the left is killing Bolsonaro. It's just, a, a, the whole thing is, is a tragedy, right? Like, it, 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 if I could delete that day from, the, from Brazilian right. history, God knows what would happen differently. Didn't he do something where he like hid in his house? He was like, I don't feel well. Uh, there, there are televised debates here in Brazil, just like in the U.S. And uh -huh. Bolsonaro didn't go to, to the debates using him having been stabbed as an excuse, even though he was like giving interviews and going out. But <laughs> he was, he, he really is terrible at a debate. He's terrible like, doing anything, right? right. I mean, he is just a, a, a wild character. Uh, so he didn't go to the debates. Uh, because he would say like, oh no, I am a, 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 you know, I've just stabbed, I can't 
I'm not healthy to do this. So, so again, it was like another debate that no one could attack him and he just right. won by yeah. default by, by not, because if he was the, the elephant in the room and no one could attack him directly. Right. The sympathetic uh, elephant yeah, it, in the room. Yeah. yeah. He became a sympathetic guy, which is remarkable because he's the most unsympathetic person like ever. Right. Um, and you know, it's funny because Virgil Texas, who got a guy on the show from Chapo Trap House, he 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 said something like Biden's going to be really stupid and like um, cancel all his negative campaign, uh, negative ads advertising on Trump. And of course he did. Now, the he thing is, exactly there's that. a way to do this where you don't like you can make it clear that you hope he gets better, but you also are campaigning against him. But I mean, Biden never does the obviously like beneficial thing and always like does a crazy like thing that appeals to this imaginary like voter who's on the fence. Like, I, right. I mean, yeah. yeah. The, the, the so mythical moderate voter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who doesn't exist. But it's so yeah. the, I mean, we talked about this. Who was I talking about the, the other day? Oh, David Sirota. Let's talk about. You know how to deal with the plague when your president has it. Yeah, just don't live in a country where the president gets the plague. That's yeah, I mean, bad. I don't know what country that is, though. Yeah, uh, there's like less cases in Vietnam than there are in the White House. Less ca fewer cases in Vietnam in than the country in the White House? Vietnam than in, than in the White House. How do they keep it? You know what? I should next within a week I'm gonna have a show that looks at um, uh, the way that like Kerala has contained it. Uh, Kerala, India, the way Cuba's contained yeah. it. That's a good... Uh, what do these places have in common, Kate? What is the, the common thing that unites Cuba, Vietnam, and Kerala? Yeah, true. In case people don't know, it? Kerala yeah. is a communist state in India. Yeah. Yeah. How is Lula, people want to know? Yeah, Lula is super active, which is refreshing to see. We are just entering uh, local government elections Uh in november so the campaign has just started and it is the first is the first time that we're facing elections the, the left is less divided than it was when bolsonaro was elected still not quite there yet in terms of being united but i would argue that there's been some progress so there's some interesting polls to watch um rio de janeiro and sao paulo are are i would say the most important ones to to be take a look at if you're an election nerd around the world. And um, and so in general, though, just to to like re sum up the, the question of COVID presidents, it harmed him, it helped him uh, politically. I think it, it um, it's hard to I think it didn't harm him. It, it definitely didn't harm him. Uh, him being able to get COVID and just keep on keeping on was good for him right. because it, it helped him keep downplaying and just maintain the status quo. It also made it uh, awkward for the opposition. Again, like, how are you going right. to be a guy that's sick? Uh, but it, it just, it, we're living in a state of like permanent crisis in Brazil. So it was just like another thing that was adding to the noise right. and another layer of like, make it impossible for a coherent opposition message to clear through the noise. And what's the status with Lula right now? Lula is free uh, out and about, but maintaining social isolation. He is uh, strongly campaigning in, in local elections for his candidates, 
but he does not have his political rights restored, so he's not able to run for anything. Uh, there will be a judgment on that shortly that it's going to be judging whether the judge, Judge Morrow, who is the right. the villain of the Lava Jata story, if you're going to put it like that, uh, will be judged for not being having been impartial on, his, on Lula's judgment. Uh, hard to tell the forecast the result of that, but there are some clear movements that Judge Morrow has been losing some uh, some of his prestige, so uh, the chances of Lula getting a positive uh, result on his trial are better, looking better today than they were maybe a year ago. And what is so? What is the official status? He was released, but not given full rights. So what was that? He was released from. He was not officially declared innocent yet. But he was. It was decided that he didn't really have to wait in prison because um, uh, it's just like there's a, a question. The Constitution of Brazil says you can't be jailed unless you're uh, you've exhausted all of your uh, possibilities to like appeal. Um, appeal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then there was like obviously a constitutional maneuver to say that well, actually, when the Constitution says exhausting all the options of appeal, actually, what they meant just like exhausting some of them. So they did that to uh, put him in prison bef before the elections, right. so he wasn't able to run. After the elections, this pressing urgency of keeping him in jail was kind of gone, so the political settlement allowed him to, to walk out. So um, technically, he's still appealing to the higher instances of justice, but there's this judgment that will decide whether or not the judge that ruled against him was behaving in an adequately impartial way or whether he was uh, being partial, which is uh, what most reasonable people can see, especially after the series of revelations we did at the Intercept, where we had access to messages between the persecution and the judge. So uh, it is expected that they will rule uh, in the near future. And... Uh, while it's not a slam dunk, it, it, it looks like he might be ruled that uh, the judge was not behaving properly against Lula. Wow. Well, so fingers crossed uh, yeah. that he gets even freer, freer. So he's, they have to wait. And so he could go to jail. Yeah. I mean, he could go to jail, but it's, it's just, I don't, too, it's okay. just don't it's think he will go to jail. Yeah. The, the question is whether or not he'll, he'll have his political rights restored. Yeah. It's very unlikely that he'll actually go to jail again. Right. All right. So right now he's kind of living like a felon after he serves his time. Yeah. Actually, yeah. That's a, a great analogy. In America. Yeah. Which was um, something that uh, something else to put out there was that this was never a law that you're not allowed to run if you're, if you're a convicted person. And then right. during uh, the Workers' Party government, a lot of anti-corruption laws were put in place so that it was the Workers' Party put all these anti-corruption laws in place to fight corruption, and then these laws were used against them and no one else. So, you know, just food for thought. Yeah. Well, Victor, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you in your work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter on that uh, handle you've so kindly put up. Uh, I am on The Intercept. I will be I put some content in there uh, once in a while, but not very often. My main work now is I produce Glenn Greenwald's uh, show on YouTube, System Update, which oh, I highly encourage everyone to check out. 
uh, we have some really good episodes, not only about Brazil, we have a great episode in uh, about Bolivia. Uh, I did an app, uh, I filled in for Glenn uh, about Latin America with Benjamin Fogel, which uh, oh, I think great. was good. Uh, we talk about Brazil, we talk about Colombia, and we talk about Mexico. And the whole, um, I mean, I am a little bit biased, but I think all the episodes of the of Glenn's show are great. You great should watch show, them yeah. all. Great. I got to watch the Sean one because I really like him. Yeah, um, it was good. It seems super well also. The algorithm just loves. Oh, great. Okay, yeah. Them. I got to pick your brain about algorithm stuff. Um, but uh, thank you again so much, Victor. How do I pronounce your last name? Uh, do you want to try and guess first? And I'll see. Ugh, no, Puji. Uh, it is that. Okay. Yeah, it's not Portuguese, so it's a trick question. Oh, so what like is it? It's supposed to be French. I don't know a French person. Oh, that makes I'm sense. Never sure of that, but the name is meant to be. Nice. Okay, cool. Got a lot right. of good French victors. All right. Thank you, Victor. Say hi Thanks to Glenn you, and the pleasure. dogs and the dogs. Yeah, I will. And the kids. Okay. Hi. Bye. All righty. Are you guys ready to have on our next guest, who we're so excited to have on? Let's talk about you know, how to deal with the plague when your president has it. Yeah, just don't live in a country where the president gets the plague. That's yeah, I mean, advice. I don't know what country that is, though. Yeah. Uh, There's, like, less cases in Vietnam than there are in the White House. Less ca Fewer cases in Vietnam in than the in the country White House? Of Vietnam than, in, than in the White House. How do they keep it? You know what? I Next, within a week, I'm going to have a show that looks at um, uh, the way that, like, Kerala has contained it. Uh, Kerala, India, the way Cuba's contained yeah. it. That's a good... Uh, what do these places have in common, Kate? What is the, the common thing that unites Cuba, Vietnam, and Kerala? Yeah, true. In case people what don't know, it? Kerala yeah. is a communist state in India. Yeah. Yeah. How is Lula, people want to know? Yeah, Lula <laughs> is super active, which is refreshing to see. We are just entering uh, local government elections Uh in November, so the campaign has just started, and it is the first is the first time that we are facing elections. The left is less divided than it was when Bolsonaro was elected. It's still not quite there yet in terms of being united, but I would argue that there's been some progress. So there's some interesting polls to watch. Um, Rio de Janeiro and São Paulo are are I would say the most important ones to to be take a look at if you're an election nerd around the world. And um, and so in general, though, just to to like re sum up the, the question of COVID presidents, it harmed him, it helped him uh, politically? I think it, it um, it's hard to, I think it didn't harm him. It, it definitely didn't harm him. Uh, him being able to get COVID and just keep on keeping on was good for him right. because it, it helped him keep downplaying and just maintain the status quo. It also made it uh, awkward for the opposition. Again, like, how are you going right. to be a guy that's sick? Uh, but it, it just, it, we're living in a state of like permanent crisis in Brazil. So it was just like another thing that was adding to the noise right. and another layer of like, make it impossible for a coherent opposition message to clear through the noise. And what's the status with Lula right now? Lula is free uh, out and about, but maintaining social isolation. 
he is uh, strongly campaigning in local elections for his candidates, but he does not have his political rights restored, so he's not able to run for anything. Uh, there will be a judgment on that shortly, that it's going to be judging whether the judge, Judge Morrow, who is the, right. the villain of the Lava Jato story, if you're going to put it like that, uh, will be judged for not being having been impartial on, his, on Lula's judgment. Uh, hard to tell the forecast the result of that, but there are some clear movements that Judge Morrow has been losing some uh, some of his prestige. So uh, the chances of Lula getting a positive uh, result on his trial are better, looking better today than they were maybe a year ago. And what is so? What is the official status? He was released, but not given full rights. So what was that? He was released from. He was not officially declared innocent yet, but he was. It was decided that he didn't really have to wait in prison because um, uh, it's just like there's a, a question. The Constitution of Brazil says you can't be jailed unless you're uh, you've exhausted all of your uh possibilities to like appeal, um, appeal. yeah exactly yeah. uh and then there was like obviously a constitutional maneuver to say that well actually when the constitution says exhausting all the options of appeal actually what they meant just like exhausting some of them so they did that to uh put him in prison bef before the elections right. so he wasn't able to run after the elections this pressing urgency of keeping him in jail was kind of gone so the political settlement allowed him to to walk out so um technically he's still appealing to the higher instances of justice but there is this judgment that will decide whether or not the judge that ruled against him was behaving in an adequately impartial way or whether he was uh being partial which is uh, what most reasonable people can see, especially after the series of revelations we did at the Intercept, where we had access to messages between the persecution and the judge. So uh, it is expected that they will rule uh, in the near future. And uh, while it's not a slam dunk, it, it, it looks like he might be ruled that uh, the judge was not behaving properly against Lula. Wow. Well, so fingers crossed uh, yeah. that he gets even freer, freer. So he's, they have to wait. And so he could go to jail. Yeah. I mean, he could go to jail, but it's, it's just, I don't, too, it's okay. just, don't it's think he will go to jail. Yeah. The The question is whether or not he'll, he'll have his political rights restored. Yeah. It's very unlikely that he'll actually go to jail again. Right. All right. So right now he's kind of living like a felon after he serves his time. Yeah. Actually, yeah. That's a, a great analogy. In America. Yeah. Which was, um, Something that uh, something else to put out there was that this was never a law that you're not allowed to run if you're if you're a convicted person. And then right. during uh, the Workers Party government, a lot of anti-corruption laws were put in place, so that it was the Workers Party put all these anti-corruption laws in place to fight corruption, and then these laws were used against them and no one else. So you know, just food for thought. Yeah. By the way, big big news, guys. I got to say some Intercept-related news. Mehdi Hassan has left the Intercept. I'm not saying anything positive or negative, but does anyone know where he's going? Guess. NBC, Peacock, something. All right. God, I just wanted to tell you in front of an Intercept-shian. Well, Victor, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you in your work? 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter on that uh, handle you've so kindly put up. Uh, I am on the Intercept. I will be. I put some content in there uh, once in a while, but not very often. My main work now is I produce Glenn Greenwald's uh, show on YouTube, System Update, which so I highly encourage everyone to check out. Uh, we have some really good episodes, not only about Brazil. We have a great episode in uh, about Bolivia. Uh, I did an app. Uh, I filled in for Glenn uh, about Latin America with Benjamin Fogel, which uh, oh, I think great. was good. Uh, we talk about Brazil. We talk about Colombia, and we talk about Mexico. And the whole. Um, I mean, I am a little bit biased, but I think all the episodes of the of the show are great. You should watch them all. Great. I got to watch the Sean one because I really like him. Yeah, um, it was good. It's doing super well also. The algorithm just loves. Oh, great. Okay, everything. yeah. I got to pick your brain about algorithm stuff. Um, but uh, thank you again so much, Victor. How do I pronounce your last name? Uh, do you want to try and guess first? And I'll see. Ugh, no, Puji. Uh, it is that. Okay. Yeah, it's not Portuguese, so it's a trick question. Oh, so what I is it? It's supposed to be French. I don't know a French person. Oh, in my family. that makes I've sense. Never heard of that, but the name is meant to be. Nice. Okay. Cool. Got a lot All of right. good French victors. All right. Thank you, Victor. Say hi Thanks to Glenn and the pleasure. dogs and the dogs. Yeah, I will. And the kids. Okay. Hi. Bye. All righty. Are you guys ready to have on our next guest, who we're so excited to have on? Without any further ado. Adieu. We're going to bring in our excellent next guest. Uh, you've known him and loved him and laughed at him and maybe laughed till you cried. James Adomian. Hello, James. Hi, Hi Katie. How are you? Good. You? I'm good. You hear me okay? Yep. Oh, I, I hear it. you well. Um, nice to see you again. This is, uh, I saw you earlier this week. Yeah, we're on a podcast circuit uh, crossover right now this week. Yeah, we're like a spousal hire. Like you book one of us, you book the other. You yeah. want me? You got James. You want James? You got me. We're um, just like Carville and Matlin. Oh my God, we should do. Have you done that? Have you done that? I, uh, James Carville. All the time, right? I get. Well, no. I mean, I have a friends who do James Carville, but it's like. But uh, you haven't done that one, yeah. Yeah, well, it's just okay. you just gotta be. You make up a folksy saying that no one's ever heard before. Like this legs is like a whole like a this legs like a bowl of uh, you know spicy rice. Oh, oh, oh you know, I half a wheel off. Well, I was in the army. I met him one time, and his breath stank. Really. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like what? What kind of stench are we talking? Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> like a like an old possum underneath a crawl space. Like a lot, like a lobster left running in the river. Like George Bush <laughs> promised not to raise taxes. You know, it smells like the economy. Stupid. <laughs> it smells like a, a hundred dollar bill dragged through a trailer park, <laughs> as he famously what? said. What? Luckily, I keep a spare set of feathers for just, I say, for just such an emergency. Oh, what a terrible person he is, huh? Yeah, yeah. But more importantly, you, his breath stinks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's cold here. It's turning into fall up here in the Northeast. Um, oh, it's so hot here. I'm in Los Angeles. It's right. So How are hot. you? What's it like? I don't really have a sense of like, when you look out the window, is it just fire? What's What's happening? They're doing controlled fires these days uh, to prevent the out of control fires. So this either so the sky is full of smoke, but it's it's good smoke this time. 
Okay. It's like a little. They, they basically, they surround an area with fire retardant and then they light it on fire so that it won't catch fire later. Um, got so it. That's, what, that's what we got. It's hot. It's in the nineties today. It's uh, still hot tonight, but uh, better hot than cold. I say. So it's almost like a vaccine. <laughs> that's how right? it backfire. That, yeah. It's like a vaccine uh, that just puts a lot of smoke in the air. Yeah. It's the uh, hydroxychloroquine of firefighting. So I got to ask, what are you feeling? What are your thoughts on now? now I want to make sure that people know James is going to talk about something really important. So yes, uh, coming up, we're going to talk about up. several things. We're going to talk things, about what's yeah. happening in Armenia, how you can help the people of Armenia. Um, but obviously there's lighter news. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we'll eat. It's probably, but let's start with lighter news, right? Cause you want to do that. It's awkward the, to be the like, the president is in the hospital. <laughs> the, lighter but, um, news. the president is in the hospital. Now do your best Mary Matlin. Oh my God. I don't even, what, 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 what? you know, what's interesting about them. The older they get, the more they look alike. So the Mary Matlin is, I agree with my husband. Is she Southern though? No, she's not. Okay. I don't know what she sounds like, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been it's boring. been a eventful week. Actually, I can't believe that the debates were also this week. I know it, it feels like it was like a week ago. Yeah, I know it does feel like it's a week ago, and it's funny. It's like I can't even put out. I'm like, I, we did that debate, we did that podcast with um, Bad Faith podcast with Virgil and and Bree, and mm -hmm. it kind of feels like I can't even like. I mean, and we and we released the. Um, the uh our, our useful idiots episode on it and it just feels like it's like so last week like yeah. so five weeks ago or something it, it, you know it was three days it ago it feels like it feels like last chapter because since then yeah since then the there was a whole round of like finger pointing about the debate which i thought biden clearly lost and then there was the big un like unbelievable shoe that dropped of Donald Trump testing positive coronavirus after shaming Joe Biden for not wearing a mask uh, for, for wearing, wearing a mask yeah. for wearing a mask right after um after basically basically like Icarus flying too close to the sun here he is the definition of hubris yeah now That's he has it and then and then now 24 hours later not only does not less than 24 hours like 20 hours later not only is okay he has coronavirus all day <laughs> But now he's rapidly developing symptoms. They've rushed him to the hospital. There's rumors that he's on a respirator. Like, good God. And apparently his brother died of coronavirus earlier in the summer. Yeah, but they they didn't say it was coronavirus. I think they pretend it was cancer, right? Right, right, right. I, you, oh, God. Wow. Yeah. And, and, there's, and um, there's several other people in the White House. There's Hope Hicks. There's, like, several people around the president. Right. And, like, they, it's... I this um, it has the makings of like a biblical like, morality play where it's <laughs> they, they didn't yeah they didn't believe in the thing right and then they all got the thing right yeah I mean we were just talking with Victor who's uh you know and Bolsonaro of course got it and he managed to use that to his advantage which Trump will definitely do if he if he survives and does well, yeah, let's keep in mind, he's very rich. He has, yes. uh, he has not only the best medical care, but like the top medical care in the world. Right. Um, now he's an arrogant bastard. So maybe he's demanding experimental therapies 
You right. give me the best guy. You give me the best goddamn treatment. The best treatment. Give me. I want to be pumped, full of vitamin D. I want to be a balloon of vitamin D. Uh, I want to. I want to look like a vitamin D balloon from the World's Fair in 1898. Um, but yeah, he might yell at his doctors and demand stuff that's actually going to be worse for him. Who knows? Right. Uh, or yeah. If he believes in all, if he, how many kooky therapies does he believe in that he's going to be like? Give it to me. I kind of think he'll just find try to find the smartest doctor, be like the best of the best of the best, top, 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 as he described uh uh Amy. Uh Coney Barrett. Uh her name is Amy, right? I was I always want to call her something else. I can't handle the three names. It's I don't just know too much. I, I I her name to me is like the Scalia two or something. Yeah, Scalia. What, what was the name of that original Trump doctor? I think he doesn't work for him oh. anymore. The one who said he wasn't obese. Um, the guy who looks kind of like Jesse Ventura playing a doctor. Kind of. I had said, I had said that he looked like uh, the Pete Best of the Moody Blues. Oh yeah. He's got that long gray hair yeah. and like a black turtleneck, so he looked <laughs> like the guy that didn't make it into the Moody Blues. Yes. He also looked a lot. He kind of looked like. Um, what do you say? Not obese. That was it, right? He kind of looked like there was a doctor on one of the seasons. I think the second season of True Detective. Sounds right. Yeah, that show had some good political statements. Um, uh, yeah, about but that, neoliberalism. Uh, the first I season. I didn't see it. I need to. It takes place in my. Oh, my the second time season. Period. Yeah, it takes place in, in that area. Remember when Nancy Pelosi called him morbidly obese? It totally backfired, of course, because the Dems don't know how to actually like attack Trump effectively. And uh, and then, of course, she got like woke criticism for fat shaming. Yes, yes, uh, probably. And, and but nobody nobody stops to go. Hmm. Nancy Pelosi will actually take damage hits from woke criticism. Donald Trump will not. Oh, it, I mean. Exactly. But what's so brilliant about it is that not only that, but Trump, who like, you know, accused Megyn Kelly of bleeding out of her I don't know what's right. I don't know where. He's like so vulgar. He gets people to defend him using the woke thing. And what about uh, any any insights into I don't know what's happening now? Trump, uh, how? Uh... Well, I thought that it looked like the election was uh very like scarily close scarily close and i we uh, the, the atlantic article that came out last week about how there was a real risk of um you know violence uh, that it's not a matter of oh trump could refuse to recognize the results of the election but that the, that the republican strategy is to deny legitimate results of the election in certain states Right. Uh, pr provoke violence and then uh, declare martial law in certain states where a Republican le legislature could then say, well, we couldn't do the vote. So here's the electors that are going to decide the presidency and that there's key choke points, including the United States Senate, where Mike Pence holds the gavel as the vice president. And obviously the Supreme Court is a tied Supreme Court now, uh, four to four. And that if the seat is filled, it would be five to four. Well, depending on how some of the Republican appointees would come down on various rulings. But uh, so it looked like, you know, even if Biden won, that they might claw it back away from him, that it could be all kinds of things that were pointing towards, wow, there could be a lot of confusion. 
And as reluctant as we are to imagine it, there could be political violence with a, a unclear presidential election that 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 is not really decided until January or not decided at all. But then and then the debate, the debate, the debate made me more scared because I thought Biden pretty conclusively lost the debate, um, getting interrupted in, by Trump so much and not having an effective response. And then this news kind of upends everything. It was it's just such an uh, incredible surprise happened in uh, an election year. Maybe it shouldn't be such a surprise since there is a very contagious, very deadly pandemic that the president and his ideological bubble have been flaunting the dangers of uh, right. as a way of as a way of proving their toughness. Uh, and also as a way of trying, you know, the, the news about how Biden didn't have a very strong ground game in the campaign, but Trump did. And part of that was that they have an advantage that in some ways they believe in the dangers of coronavirus less. Right. And now it looks like possibly, possibly some major blowback for them politically to say nothing of the health of the people involved, uh, but possibly historic consequences from this hubris. And uh, arrogance in the face of real um, pandemic danger. There's also a possibility that Trump, being the president of the United States, could get world class healthcare and beat coronavirus like Bolsonaro, right? Uh, and maybe, <laughs> maybe give it to a bunch of other people, but still be okay himself. And then who knows? There could be a comeback narrative. There's just enough time for that too. I mean, I think if he beats it and is in okay shape, he will get he will get a boon from this because. <sighs> I, I think he will because he is so adept. Actually, Victor said this. Um, what was it? Um, Biden never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Trump and or Biden? no, Biden. Biden never, never misses an opportunity to <laughs> miss an opportunity. That's true. And and Trump makes opportunities out of everything and anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just saw that the the Democrats are pulling off all their negative ads right yes, now. Yes, which and I'm like, I could see maybe 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 pulling back the negative ads that are like Donald if you name him but you should replace them with different negative ads that are like the republicans have ruined right. the country yeah also you don't have to have it like obviously they weren't like this like we hope he gets covid and die well yeah, of course they weren't saying that well, well, I, want, I want he's gonna what would they say how would alex jones say it a, a plague i hope it gets a plague yeah, the remember in the Democratic primary debates, uh, either late last year, yeah, it would have been late last year. There was an ad on one of the networks that ran the Democratic debate with Bernie and Biden and Warren and Kamala Harris and all the other candidates and the CIA rat that stole Iowa. Um, there was an ad that the Republican Party, I think, or maybe some super PAC ran an ad that was like socialism is plaguing America. And they had a picture of AOC that lit on fire from the center in the middle of this ad. They, the, the right wing has no problem right. celebrate celebrating someone's death or calling for political violence. The left is always expected to play by different rules. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And not even right. just the left, but like the centrists that occupy the democratic party. Right, right. The people who pretend to... I mean, there's a bunch of, bunch of centrists trying to pretend to me. Love this. Centrist, liberal, moderate, progressive, socialist, communist, bunch Democrats. Of, it's like the Seinfeld actors under the KKK hoods. 
Um, yeah, I mean, no, but I think he will if he if he. I mean, the irony is like Walter Reed is a military hospital, right? And it's like the best of the best. It's socialism. It's socialized medicine. Yeah, uh, for army, someone yeah. for someone who screams as much as he does about socialism, Donald Trump has gotten his whole life uh, a lot of free shit out of a government that he didn't pay much into. Right. And someone was posting on Twitter today that uh, Donald Trump is about to get tens of thousands of dollars in free medical care, having only paid seven hundred fifty dollars into the system. So crazy, yeah. So what, if you were if you were Bush, uh, if you were Bernie right now, what would what would Bernie be saying? Well, I'm already said this, so I'm too nice. I am nice to a to a flaw. I am merciful to my enemies to a fault. And so I would say this is a time for us to come together and have a very serious discussion about the issues that face us, a pandemic crisis, and how the fantastic government healthcare that Donald Trump is about to get is the healthcare that should be available to Americans, whether they are the you know the president of the United States or not. And what would he tell Biden? Do you think he'd have any tips for Biden? Uh, look, Joe, you're my friend. I understand you stole the election from me. I will. I am absolutely letting that go. And what I would give you, I would give you half an hour of advice that I understand you will ignore. And I will still vote for you because I am not ruthless enough, even though I am almost always right. That's I like that. <laughs> I see. I get to say things as Bernie that I want him to say. Right. That you want Bernie to say. Yeah. But what if you could control Bernie? What would Bernie like? Let's say Bernie didn't have his political, the political commitments that he has, and was like more of a revolutionary. What what would what would that like, Bernie sound like, like? Starting from today. Yeah, let's say he wakes up and he's like, forget it. We got one guy with COVID. The other guy lets himself get punched in the face by what? If, Bernie could get angry because he was basically throwing Bernie under the bus. So what yeah. would like? Yeah, what I Bernie? would say is what I would say is. In this unprecedented time, in order to avoid a civil war in the United States, we should all come together and vote for Joe Biden. And then, the day after the election, on November 3rd, I believe it's November 3rd, we must come to the realization that the Democratic Party cannot be the home for the progressive movement, for future generations, for justice in America, and we must inaugurate a new second party in this country <laughs> not a third party a second party get rid of believable that the democrats survived the civil war to begin with the last time in the 1860s being on the wrong side of that war but uh but now yeah we're done we're done with the democrats one more time one more time <laughs> as a favor one more time we do this whole thing yeah one more time we'll do the biden thing and that's it that's it from now on no more democrats I love the way you get the, yeah, the I can't do it because I do too much of near Yeah, this, the almost not even full. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I love uh, Bernie reminds me of a lot of beloved professors. Yeah. Well, oh, do you remember that guy Rick Wilson, that terrible guy who's like oh, Bernie, Ber you know, Lincoln Project guy. Yes. Um, a lot of those guys like Rick Wilson and earlier this week, I guess you guys were complaining about somebody else from that whole sort of David Brock world of uh, online paid trolls and stuff. Yeah. The whole, 
the the hate Bernie people. Yeah, I I, I blocked so many of them years ago yeah. that I just don't see large swaths of. Right. So what did he say? Well, no, he but he's a guy who was like a. I mean, he was he unlike Brock, he's a he's a Republican. He's like uh -huh. a you know rehabilitated. Brock just used to be a Republican. Right. No. Right. Brock like cosplays as a. I mean, I think he has no soul. I, either he has no soul, or he realized that like maybe he came out to himself. Or did I don't know if he when he was out when he came out, but I is, is David Brock gay? Oh yeah. Oh, that's I don't need him on my team. I know, I know. Thank God it's not Jewish. So that's all. None, none of that falls on me. <laughs> um, but uh, I wonder if he was just realized like these people really don't like officially don't like me. So right, if they said one one too many comments at yeah. some cocktail party and then he right. flipped over it. He's like, he's like, I'll flip sides. I'll become a Clinton Democrat. So basically I accomplish the same thing politically, but I get to have those guys as my enemies now. Exactly. And I get to have like better conversations about film and brunch. Oscar time is more. Yeah. That's basically, you know. Um, so, okay. So I think, yeah, I, I'm just saying, I don't think we should underestimate Trump's ability to, and if he does this, if he does survive, he'll just say, look, I said this. If you're not vulnerable or, or, you know, or very old, if you're in good health. And I think obviously the results speak for themselves. I'm in good health. And so. I'm in good health. I'm in fantastic. I'm in the best health. Unbelievable health. And I'm, I'm, I look 10 years younger. I look 10 years younger than I, I am. I look like I'm 35. <laughs> it's amazing. So you guys on, I, you probably know that James um, and Anthony did Trump versus Bernie. Anthony and Tamanik and I did Trump versus Bernie for like five years from 2015 to February of this year was our last tour dates in the Jesus. Northeast, went through New York and Connecticut and everywhere. And I remember like the, the coronavirus news started to hit as we were wrapping our tour up and we started, you know, joking about it when we were on the airplane or driving around together and stuff. And then like, I remember leaving New York city, flying back to LA and like the news was getting worse and worse every day. And I'm like, well, Maybe I won't be seeing New York for a while. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to go. I thought it was going to pass. I mean, I just wasn't paying attention. I just thought yeah. it was a thing that was going to. It has been uh, fucking uh, the worst year of my life. I'm 40. I'm 40 this year. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> When's your birthday? January 31st. So uh, this was my big 4-0 and I've been... Um, you know how people are always like, huh, oh, this is 40. And so right. like, I always thought, you know, like you get to be 40 and you're like, oh, welcome to like maturity. Right. Oh, 40, you ready to be 40? And I'm, now I'm like, okay. So you turn 40 and then there's a global pandemic. Right. I've like folded all this into what's just normal. When right, you turn right. 40. What's going to happen at 50? Hello. <laughs> That's World the end. Really explodes. Yeah. Um, oh, what I was saying that Rick Wilson, going back to how Bernie sounds like your college professor, yes, but Rick Wilson is such a dumb fuck that he said, um, what did he say? He's like, you know, Bernie, he's like one of your, you know, typical, he's like crazy socialists, like, you know, Bennington college professors, like Bennington? No, Bernie's like a CUNY, like City University of New York, yes. not like a fancy private, like, I guess it's because it's in Vermont. But yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Great. Congratulations on trashing a small liberal arts college yeah. like Bennington for no reason. Yeah. You know, Bernie's like a guy who's like, uh, yeah, he, he, teaching at, at CUNY or like 
Cal State Northridge, yeah. Santa Monica College, being like, I turned down a lot of more lucrative professorships because I like to speak to the students that need to hear what I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> the one's not born with the silver spoon in the mouth, silver foot in the mouth. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bernie has done a lot of great for this country. He has. Yeah. I, he's kind of being held hostage right now. Yeah. But I really, I really do truly think that the movement for a people's party is a very good thing that yeah. Nina Turner is involved in. Yeah. And um, we had Chris Hedges on this week. Yes, a lot of great people like Chris Hedges as well. I think there should be a new party. And uh, I think it's not going to be the Greens because they are just the Greens don't like winning. The Greens, yes, yeah, they don't like winning and the they Greens... have a public access aesthetic. Yeah, it's it's just it's, I, I don't care how right you are. I care like there's a combination. There's a graph of like how right you are and how much you can win. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and it's not like you sell. I don't mean like sell out to win. I mean like be mean and ruthless and right. do certain things to win. Yes. They don't have any of that. It's a, but yeah, there should be a new party with this explicit goal of replacing the Democratic and or Republican Party as the as like the biggest party in the country. Because the country has like a far more right wing government. And that includes the Republicans and the centrist Democrats. Like right. the the country's politics is way more right wing and uh, in service of the wealthy elite than the population is. Right. Um, there's a, that infamous Princeton study that came out a couple years ago that concluded that the United States was an oligarchy because right. because uh, issue after issue, what the people want is not represented as even an option between the positions of the major political parties. So it's just a controlled political process. It's a fake political process. It's a it's a fake democracy. You know, like they said in Spain when they were having their protests a few years ago, uh, democracia falsa, uh, falsa, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's time to come to an end. And uh, we got to move on to something better that represents like the potential of this country and solve some of the problems. Stop making things worse. And uh, I think. The good news is the centrists and moderates, they can still steal an election for in their own party and stuff, but they've totally lost like two entire generations now. They've totally, they've totally aggressively lost the millennials completely. And the, the generation Z after them, they've totally absolutely lost them. Uh, they've offered, they've offered them nothing but condescension. And I, yeah, sure. Vote for Biden if you want to. Uh, it's important to stop Trump. But after this, I'm no done. More. I'm done. Fuck the whole thing. It, it, no, no more of the ransoming. Like you have to. No, sorry. This time we're gonna have four whole years before the next presidential election. Yeah. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna play the game again. Yeah, we should sign. We should start signing people. We should draft people away from the Democratic Party. I'm not even kidding. I think I think probably for we should so that then we can say to the people there, what are you doing? Why are you staying in the way of this? We're trying to defeat the Republicans. I, I think that's or... one of the things they want to do. They want to get some of the progressive members right. of Congress to leave the Democratic Party. But I think out of decorum and maybe keeping up appearances, they're going to wait until after the election to do yeah. it. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, someone you know very well as a character is part spoke at that people's convention, Jesse. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if it was because of me, but I did suggest that they get him. So let's talk. Let's talk about Armenia. Yes, thank you. Um, I'm I'm glad to 
I'm glad to come on and talk about it. It's been crazy because it's been such a uh, insane news week with the in America, the talk of um, political uncertainty with the transition and the election, um, with the roiling news cycle from the debate now into the president having coronavirus. And unfortunately, uh, it seems it's quite plausible that Azerbaijan and Turkey were totally aware that the world media attention would be on the presidential debate in the United States and may have even chosen this moment to launch this recent new war on Armenia. Um, it's a, it's, it's a terrible thing that this tiny underdog country of Armenia has gone through. I have Armenian heritage. Um, I, I, so I, I know I, I follow the news. I know what's happening. It does not get a lot of attention in U.S. media. It gets some attention in like European media, but honestly, the BBC, the BBC is uh, only concerned about oil pipelines in the region and stuff. So their coverage is really bad. Um, and nobody, like Emmanuel Macron, actually was impressive. He he. Let it be known that uh, France would not accept uh, military conquest of Azerbaijan against uh, Artsakh, the Armenian region that's the source of the contention. He, he said that uh, France would not accept the Turkish and Azerbaijani invasion of Artsakh, uh, which was nice to hear a world leader say. By and large, the Armenian people have been totally alone. And uh, it's it's it, we the armenian people have suffered so much for centuries just over 100 years ago there was the armenian genocide um where the ottoman turks of the ottoman empire attempted to basically extinguish the entire armenian ethnicity uh or um, by put, the way i'm looking at my phone because i'm going to put links to what we're talking about I'm oh yes no, i I'm sent you a couple of links yeah so that was that was that was a, a genocide that happened between 1915 and then in subsequent years after that during World War One, And basically, the vast majority of the traditional Armenian homeland, uh, th where the Armenian people are the indigenous people who evolved there, uh, were wiped out. They were wiped out in their own indigenous homeland uh, because Turkish nationalists during World War One decided, like, we can't have any ethnic minorities. Um, and so there's this tiny remnant of Armenia that was just where the Russians controlled in, at the end of World War One, so the Turks couldn't get there. And that's what Armenia is today. And it fell under Soviet control for 70 years. And Joseph Stalin uh, infamously uh, cut off uh, the ethnic Armenian uh, area of Nagorno-Karabakh or Artsakh and gave it to Azerbaijan. Uh, because, Georgians. Yes, because <laughs> that's... Can't I mean, trust a Georgian. <laughs> you like I, like Jim, McCall, Jim McCall always says, can't trust a Georgian as far as I can throw him. <laughs> you, can't, you can't trust a Georgian if they're in Atlanta or if they're on the wrong side of the Caucasus. <laughs> um, this is something the Armenians say, is that is that uh, Stalin, being an ethnic Georgian, had like rivalry issues with the Armenians and wanted to keep them down, and so took... like. A majority Armenian area 
Artsakh and made it the Nagorno-Karabakh region of Azerbaijan. In any case, um, the, Turkey to this day does not recognize that what they did in World War I was a genocide against the Armenians. Uh, they simultaneously, have, they don't have a very well thought out denial <laughs> argument because simultaneously they say it didn't happen and that it's good that it did happen and that yeah. they would do it again. Yeah. So the, the Turkish policy is like, watch out, we'll genocide you like we did 100 years ago, which we didn't do. When we never did, yeah. But we'll, but we'll do it again. Right. But this um, time it'll be real. And Azerbaijan follows suit because Azerbaijan is basically the, the Turkic people, Turkic ethnicity that was under Russian rule for several hundred years. And so they feel a great affinity for Turkish people of what is now Turkey in Anatolia. Um, so there's this extermination, there is to this day an exterminationist anti-Armenian racism uh, on the part of not all, but many uh, Turkish nationalists and uh, Azerbaijani nationalists, Azeri nationalists. And um, you don't have to even take an Armenian's word for that. You can You, you can literally go to any active social media page from any of thousands of Turkish nationalist or Azerbaijani nationalist Twitter accounts. And what they'll be saying over and over again is the Armenians aren't a real people. They don't deserve any country or homeland at all. We're going to conquer Yerevan. Um, we're going to do a genocide again. They're openly exterminationist rhetoric, and that's like that's like their side. And the Armenian right. side is we would like to live in the a small sliver that is left over of the uh, indigenous homeland that we evolved in for Bunch thousands of, of years. Princesses. So yeah, that's the that's the sort of like large context for what's happening in the short term. Very recently, what happened is. Um, there's a standstill between Azerbaijan and Armenia since the 1990s when Azerbaijan, as soon as the Soviet Union uh, collapsed, Armenia declared independence. All the other little republics, including Azerbaijan, declared independence. Immediately, there were ethnic pogroms against Armenians in the Azerbaijan capital of Baku. Uh, deadly, uh, um, uh, deadly pogroms. Um, because in Soviet times and even before then, there was like different ethnicities living in each other's countries and cities and stuff. And then there was an attempted an attempted mass uh, massacres in Nagorno-Karabakh, which is the Armenian enclave. And then the Armenians uh, of that area were backed up by the neighboring Armenian Republic. And together the Armenian people said, no, you're not going to do it. We're not going to sit here and let you pogrom us. We're not going to let you massacre us. So uh, they rose up and they created their own autonomous republic. And it happened at the same time that the Soviet Union collapsed. Um, and so there is an autonomous Armenian Republic of Artsakh that is adjacent to the Republic of Armenia. And, the, the, and Azerbaijan still claims it um, as part of their territory. And so what happened, it's, there's been a flare up over and over again over the years, Azerbaijan and Turkey have a big pipeline that's funded by British Petroleum that, uh, that goes around Armenia, but it goes very close to where Nagorno-Karabakh or Artsakh is. Um, Turkey has had a blockade of Armenia for 
25 years or something or almost 30 years since the first uh, uh, Armenia-Azerbaijan war. Uh, so the border of Armenia is closed on both sides between Azerbaijan and Turkey. Their neighbors to the north, Georgia, are not very friendly, even though it's a Christian nation. It's, it's, it, there's a, there's a um, religious quality to this dispute, but it's not really a religious conflict. It's more of an ethnic conflict. Mm -hmm. So the Georgians are like Christians like the Armenians, but they, 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 they don't help. They don't, they don't really, they're not uh, friends. So Armenia is like totally landlocked and isolated with hostile, two genocidally hostile neighbors on the east and the west. An indifferent neighbor to the north, Georgia, that doesn't want to help at all. Uh, Iran is the only country that borders them that open that has a road open that actually will supply them with anything. And Russia doesn't have a border, but they, you know, there's airplane flights and there there is a, a defense treaty with Russia. But they use Armenia as like a bargaining chip in their geopolitical strategies with Turkey and stuff. They're never really out to help the Armenian people. Uh, and this can be seen now with this current war where Azerbaijan and Turkey held uh, war games like a month ago in Azerbaijan with the explicit. It was a, it was a, a rehearsal for the current war. Uh, it was a rehearsal for invading Armenia. Um, and this comes at a time when Turkey is currently at war with almost all of its neighbors. Turkey is now at war with Armenia. Uh, not just by proxy, the Turkish Air Force is violating Armenian airspace proper uh, and has been for several days now, let alone the military uh, coordination that they're helping out Azerbaijan with. Um, they're also involved in the war in Libya, uh, threatening an out-and-out -out war with Egypt, and they're still involved with their military occupation of Syria and northern Iraq, and they're um internal conflict with their ethnic kurdish minority and also they've been threatening a war with greece and cyprus and france over uh mediterranean oil drilling rights uh erdogan is the dictator of turkey and he he likes war he likes war and he and i think the international community is starting to see this that the state of Turkey today is controlled by a nationalist madman who is trying to start wars everywhere because their economy is in trouble. The Turkish lira is collapsing in an epic fashion, and it's it's it keeps collapsing further than anyone thought it could. And um, and so in this context, is what happened is that you know they had war games, they planned for the invasion, and then uh, a week ago, it's been one week. Uh, Azerbaijan launched a, a surprise attack on Karabakh and also uh, positions in the Republic of Armenia. Um, Karabakh is the Azerbaijani word and the Armenian word is Artsakh. So it's, I'll say Artsakh. Um, so they launched a surprise attack and made some very minimal gains initially. And then uh, the Armenians have been fighting tooth and nail against uh, Armenia is a country of, I believe, 3 million people, less than 3 million people. Uh, the Republic of Artsakh is like a population of 150,000. Azerbaijan is a country of 10 million. And this is to say nothing of their allies right over the border of, uh, or just, you know, right a hop over Armenia, their allies, Turkey is a huge country with one of the biggest militaries in the world. Armenia is up against a, uh, a three to one, uh, more than a three to one, uh, population disadvantage. And, uh, 
great disadvantage in military uh, materiel and um, weapons. Um, Azerbaijan is backed up uh, by uh, and, and sold weapons by a lot of major powers in the world. Um, and the Armenians have fought them off. This underdog country, uh, against all odds, with no help and very little news coverage, because it's <laughs> to Americans, it's like it sounds like uh, too far away, Stan, for me to care about it. Right. And yeah, well, I don't care how many people, I don't care how many millions of people die. <laughs> um, it, it's daytime there when it's nighttime over here. Right. Snooze. Yeah. And so we ignore it and we ignore it and we ignore it. And unfortunately, the Turkish nationalists and the Azeri nationalists see that the West ignores their aggressions and that um, encourages them to keep it up. So we have now seen a week of terrible attacks from Azerbaijan against Armenia and Armenian Artsakh. Uh, and they have failed on the battlefield largely. Against all odds, the Armenians stopped them on the battlefield uh, with some uh, incredible bravery and, and cleverness. And so Turkey and Azerbaijan are getting angry that their plan is failing. And uh, yesterday and today, they have switched to more of, attack, uh, more of a tactic of just directly attacking civilian populations, which is just it's. Yes, you could say, yeah, it's a war crime. Everything they've done has been a war crime. They're, right. they're targeting journalists. They're firing heavy rockets from uh, residential air from civilian areas, which is a war crime. It's human shielding, uh, human shields. They're firing heavy rockets at the Artsakh capital of Stepanakert, at residential areas, at homes, deliberately, because they're getting angry that they're not making the um progress that they wanted to on the ground on the battlefield so they're now they're decide like all right well if we're not gonna win this war that way we're going to extract a price of human lives from you by attacking children and civilians in their homes and so that's what's happening now miraculously the armenians have uh uh they're in their bunkers they're fighting back. They're fighting tooth and nail. In many ways, it is a um, it is a fight for the survival of Armenia. Um, <laughs> I, it's a fight for the survival of Armenia because um, I think the Western media is waiting for like uh, I gotta wait to see if it gets worse before I yeah. take a side on this. If it gets any worse, the only way it could get any worse than it is now is if there's a major genocidal event uh where a major armenian populated city gets taken over or some disaster like that which would immediately result in a massacre because unfortunately there's almost no exceptions uh when turkish nationalists or turkish backed mercenaries enter a city the first thing that goes is the armenian population because there is an irrational, insane ethnic hatred that goes back centuries. Um, it, now that I mentioned it, with the mercenaries, that was another thing, another war crime that they've committed. <laughs> Turkey has been flying plane loads of its hired mercenaries from its dirty war in Libya to Azerbaijan, paying them $1,000 a month uh, to explicitly these terrorists. 
Turkish-backed terrorists from Libya explicitly paying them to fight Azerbaijan's war for them and uh, attack Armenians. Who did nothing to deserve this? Who did nothing to deserve this? Who simply evolved in an area that was has been conquered a bunch of times? I mean, the Armenian people are ancient. It's an older it's an older culture than the ancient Rome. They were they. If you go read ancient Roman politics, like on their eastern border, they're dealing with Armenians. <laughs> And so not they, the Armenians again. We were, they, were, they were sandwiched with, between several different Persian empires and, uh, you know, the Greeks and the Romans on the other side. And so they've been around a long time. They won some and they lost some. They're still around from ancient times with a continuous culture. And they didn't do anything to deserve this. And it's heartbreaking because I get, I get, I get that a lot of Americans are like, oh, I mean, oh, I mean, it's always complaining about the Turks. Well, I really wish we didn't have to. Yeah, I really wish we didn't fucking have to. It would be absolutely nice if Armenians could pursue things like Armenians are great engineers and great artists, uh, scientists, engineers, artists, um, um, intelligent people, athletes. Armenians just want to be alive right. and solve great problems that are of interest to the future of humanity. It is uh, tragic that over and over and over again at the whim of whatever dictator happens to be in control of Turkey, be it Erdogan or Azerbaijan, be it Aliyev, that Armenians have to stop everything and fight a war for survival whenever some Turkish madman feels like it, whenever some Azeri nationalist wants to prove he's a tough guy. The survival of the Armenian people is at stake, not just in Artsakh, but in Yerevan because of how small the country is. And the Armenians are not being helped by anybody right now. So I would just say, if there are people out there now, A, if you're a journalist or an editor, I know a lot of Armenians who are, A, trying to get interviewed on the news, trying to submit an op-ed, get their story told. Armenians in Armenia who are currently like in air raid yeah. bunkers. Um, Armenians who fled, you know, who've been there recently and are now in California or whatever. Um, there's a lot of Armenians who are trying to get, media exposure in the United States. Um, and also, um, it would be nice if it, it would be nice if someone would help. It would be nice if someone would help. So far, for an entire week, with very little attention, the Armenian people have fought off uh, an attempt, again, to erase them from history. Um, they need help. They need help. Because... Turkey's a big country. Turkey's a big and powerful country. And Armenia needs help. There's international, you know, the, the Turkey and Azerbaijan are breaking a lot of laws. There's even more international laws that they could be breaking. There's Turkish, famous Turkish media figure who's allied with Erdogan politically suggested on Twitter this week that publicly that Turk, that Turkey should accidentally drop a bomb on the Yerevan nuclear reactor in the capital of Armenia. And that's just like a standard thing that gets said in Turkish, Turkish nationalist circuit, circles. And it is like you're just allowed to say something genocidal like that against right. Armenians. And there's a danger that some mani that he's Erdogan being such a maniac, that'll do it. Right. So we could use some help. We could use some attention. We could use some news coverage. If you work in the media, um, there's a lot of Armenians who know who are know a lot more about me than what's going on. I'm following it from a distance. Um, there's also ways to help. And uh, 
As of now, no country is helping Armenia. Uh, There are a lot of people and individuals who are helping Armenia. And uh, I know the Armenian people are grateful for the help that they do get. If it's not going to be from any country, then they're grateful for the help that they get from the people who will help. From the people who... um, from the people who realize that uh, the Armenian people have had a, a role in human history for many thousands of years as an ancient culture uh, with continuous connections to ancient times and deserve a role long into the future for the rest of human history as well. Um, so how can people help? Someone already asked. I'm glad you asked. Uh, first and foremost. And thank you, Gene, for that question. Yeah, thanks for the question, Gene. First and foremost, there is a website. There's two addresses. The easy English language address is it's for the All Armenia Fund. And so the address is armeniafund.org. That's A-R-M-E-N-I-A-F-U-N-D, armeniafund.org. And there's also the Armenian version of the same organization, which you can, it's called himnadram.org, which is H-I-M-N-A-D-R-A-M, himnadram.org. I'll put all the links in here and then YouTube, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Keep going. And Sorry. you can also, and this that 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 is like the unified help and resource and aid uh, donation fund, just that is for donations to help the Armenian people and the Armenian people of Artsakh. A great news resource that I love. Uh, follow them on social media, and I watch them here in the United States. Uh, I believe they're based. I believe one of their headquarters in Los Angeles because we have an Armenian population here. Uh, Zartank Media. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zartank Media, I think it's um, double check. What's the I have it? It's coming next. Yeah, it's zartankmedia.com. <laughs> yeah. Zartankmedia.com. Uh they're also on Twitter and uh on Instagram and other social media. And I'm having a uh I'm learning a lot following them. And uh finally, uh there's the Armenian National Committee of America. They do a lot of political activity um uh in the United States on behalf of the Armenian people. And their website right now where they're alerting people to what's happening urgently in Armenia and in Artsakh is uh, Anka.org slash alert. It's Anka, which is the acronym for Armenian National Committee of America. So it's ANCA.org slash alert. So first off, if you can help, ArmeniaFund.org. Secondly, if you want to follow the news that's happening, ZartankMedia.com. And third, for uh, alerts from Anka, it's anka.org slash alert. And uh, if you pray, pray for Armenia. Uh, if you don't pray, um, donate help, help or in other ways. tweet or help in other get ways. the word out. Yeah. The Armenian people are proud that they're the, the Armenia is the first Christian nation in the world from like 300, 301. AD was the first nation to become Christian. Wow. And also there's a whole lot of Armenian uh, atheists and a whole lot of pagan Armenians now today too, since Soviet times. But um, if you pray, pray for Armenia. And if you help, and if you, if you love humanity, please keep the Armenian people uh, uh, in your minds. Sparky point. In a dire, in a dire time of existential need. Yeah. Also, great way for the resistance to chime in. Trump likes Erdogan. He's a monster. Well, true. Trump, has, yeah. Trump has, uh, you know, Trump has been like, oh, I'm, I'm Kim Kardashian, like friends with Kim Kardashian. Oh, yeah. But, 
but Trump really the the yeah are the Kardashians know? talking about this? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, they're doing a great job. But uh, Trump um, really tried to stop the recognition of the Armenian genocide in the United States Senate, and, and really leaned on a couple of senators to to hold it up, and it passed up, up over Trump's objection. Wow. The U.S. Congress recognized the Armenian genocide finally after more than a hundred years. Um, because they did that because the establishment is slowly realizing that Turkey is a terrible ally. Right. They're, they're in the NATO alliance, but they are absolutely terrible allies. They, they basically, they have, they, 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 everybody they've ever been allied with in history, they've stabbed in the back. Can't think of an exception at the moment. Um, but, the Greeks, know, Greeks really. If you go to Astoria, a lot of fuck the Turks. There's fuck well, the there's, Turks uh, graffiti there. There are, there are Turkish people who this does not apply to. Of course, right, right, right. They're not. They're talking about the Turks, like the occupying, not yeah, individual. And but. I will say, Azerbaijan is striking civilian areas in Armenia. Still, after a week of this war, the Armenians are not. They're not doing the same. They're not. Right. They're not targeting residential areas of Azerbaijan. Uh. It, part of that is that they're 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 forced to fight a defensive war. They can't take offensive measures outside of their borders right now. But uh, recent Turkish history has been not very good to most of its neighbors and most of its ethnic minorities. And I think belatedly, the United States think tank establishment is understanding that. Yeah. Uh, also, someone Sparky, thank you for pointing out. Apparently, Armenian invented rice aroni. Is that I don't know if that's a joke. I don't. <laughs> I, don't it's true. I don't know if that's true. I should actually. I should know that. I know an Armenian invented Albin and the Chipmunks. Really? Yeah. Um, I know. Uh, Share is Armenian. A lot of people wouldn't know that because the big giveaway with Armenians, of course, is the last name. Yeah, 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 like a domian. If you can, if you drop, if you drop it, and you have one word name like Share, then maybe not everybody's gonna know it. Maybe I just realized she's a self-loathing Armenian. Oh no, she's proud. She does. She she does a lot. She does a lot. All right, all right. It's not my place. It's certainly not my place. I'm just saying. I would, you know, why not? Share? She should make it Sharian. Why me? I mean, it's okay. It's Madonna. I, is, I guess Madonna is an Italian word too. There, exactly. She kept it. She kept uh, her. Yeah. What's her real name? Step. What is her real name? I Madonna. actually don't know. She's I don't done remember. such a good, good job. She's done such a good. I don't know. Shared either. Yeah. Um. If you're a booker, if you're a booker on a major Armenian news organization, organization, I am not. Like I'm just I'm I'm like a guy. There's like real Armenian spokespeople and stuff that cannot get on television right now when they absolutely should be able to. And I understand there's a big domestic U.S. news story. Yeah. Can you please put us on at 1 a.m.? Like, yeah. get, get Serge Tonkin on TV. I've got a goddamn list here of a bunch of Armenians that are champing at the bit to do interviews. If you work for a news organization, contact the Armenian National Committee of America. They've got the list. Yeah. I'll I've do it. List, you're my, so, yeah. you're my gateway. You're, I mean, you're the gateway. I want it. Yeah. You're, I'll, I'm hoping, you know, it's hard to make this sexy, but James Domin is funny and sexy. So you're the, Thank the you. gateway. You're the gateway. Per, you're the gateway Armenian. I like, actually, I like, 
That's good, I like, right? I like that a lot. I like that a lot. It's really good. <laughs> Sometimes I don't think I'm Armenian enough, but I like that. I'm the gateway Armenian. Yeah, gateway <laughs> Armenian. Yeah. Uh, and you're speaking of Armenians liking to contribute. Um, people should know that James's grandfather was a major mathematician. He was a well-known mathematician. Yeah, George Adomian. Uh, he developed the Adomian decomposition method, which is a, a method for solving um, uh, partial differential stochastic equations. Uh, I use I it all the time. I, I use it every day. You know, yeah. I, how I, I compost. I use it when I go shopping and stuff. Yeah. But his work is studied by a lot of grad students. And ironically, um, there's even like Turkish uh, mathematicians and uh, grad students that study his work. His work is studied in Ar Armenia. His work is studied in the U.S. His work is studied in France. Ironically, it's also studied in Istanbul. Because um, if we can get past the nationalism and the um, ethnic hatred, there can be a future there can be a future where there is not a government in Turkey or in Azerbaijan that wants to exterminate the Armenian people or punish the Armenian people or massacre the Armenian people, there can be peace. There can be peace. Um, there can be peace if we pay attention to the war that's happening right now. Yeah. I'm just looking at it. I'm looking at a list of famous Armenians to see if they can, uh, the Bogosians, obviously. Oh, Eric Bogosian would be great. I have this list, but it's not on this page. Um, okay. It's a lot of my friends. It's a lot of my friends too. I've got a bunch of friends, and I'm not sure if I should, you know, mention them right now in this context right now. Yeah. But I know a lot of people who are very talented Armenian artists who are will willing to drop everything, not pursue the the work that they work on in their real life, and and again address racism and ethnic violence on a national on an on a existential level against the armenian people a uh, goddamn gen right but anyway uh, i'm glad to be here and thank you for giving me a chance to get the message out uh that's pretty much the most i can say in a concise fashion um you speak any armenian uh, i do <laughs> or i could say uh kich What's that bit, mean? A little bit. A little bit. Nice. Uh, I can say the little things that you say to, you know, Barev. As the gateway Armenian. Barev, Shnora Kaletun, Bari Geshir. So I want to, I, I, I want, I want the Armenians to know that they're not alone. And if you agree that Armenians should feel that they're not alone, please help us. Armeniafund.org, Zartankmedia.com, Anka.org slash alert that's a n c a great Thank and you. we put it there yeah um anything else you want to make sure we mention dita von Tees is also armenian by the way <laughs> i don't want to confuse Did people with too much follows our talk follows our talk they've got in-depth stuff about history they've got cutting edge stuff about the news anka the armenian national committee of america has all the stuff about the political angle uh regarding like the U.S. and Western governments. And like I said, the All Armenia Fund at armeniafund.org is a way for anybody out there to directly help uh, Armenia and Artsakh with humanitarian aid. In a time when children have been forced to evacuate their home, children have died. I don't like dwelling on that. I don't like yeah. talking about it. Children have died. Many civilians have died. 
Um, and they're, they are keeping their spirits up in air raid bunkers right now throughout Artsakh and throughout parts of Armenia proper. Turkish and Azerbaijani aircraft were intercepted by um, uh, uh, anti Armenian anti-aircraft uh, batteries in the suburban region of Yerevan yesterday. Um, so it's it, it, it's mostly an attack of Azerbaijan against Artsakh, but it's they're also attacking Armenia whenever they feel like it to test to see if they can get away with it. Um, and again, it's such a small country that if things go bad, that's it. The next, the next escalation, you might hear that, oh, well, the Armenians are gone. And that don't let that be your cue to maybe step up and help. Right. It's a tiny yeah. country. It's a tiny country. There can, a lot of people compare Armenians to, to, they're like the Jews of the Caucasus. Like the Jew, the I mean, Jews there were Jews Armenia. there too, but yeah, I know. I don't know. Oh, that there's region. A, yeah. There's a lot of, uh, Many Jewish families and many Armenian families in America know that there's uh, that's a pretty eligible intermarrying match uh, on many occasions. Many yeah. mixed, and um, my family as well, many mixed. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Many mixed Jewish and Armenian families uh, in America. A lot of genocidal-based pillow talk. <laughs> well, or, but, you know, hopefully by now, like, maybe there's something else. <laughs> yeah. Most, most days yeah. of the year. Right. But yeah, similar struggles, similar struggles, uh, similar roles under oppression, uh, oppressive societies, right. oppressive larger empires, sort of like, you know, forbidden from op owning land and forced right. to take up tr intelligent trades and so forth. Good with the money. <laughs> yeah. Terrible, but it's true. A lot of this stuff, which I have to have Christian Parenti on. I didn't realize this. A lot of anti Semit, a lot of pogroms were just liquidate, like debt liquidation. Yeah, that's tough. To think. Christ, really, James, of all people. Thank you. Actually, he's one of ours. He did a lot of great things for you, people. Yeah. Yes. Like the Palestinians. I know. Sorry. I don't mean to be defensive. I just I'm a Jew who's trust me. My the default of my family is not with Israel. In fact, the other day, my dad. Kind of, well, I won't get into it, but yeah. Um, um. Yes. Yes, I thank thank you for thank you for hearing me out, Katie. I really yeah. appreciate it. Of course, yeah. I really and um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully things will turn around. Hopefully, the whole you know the world that is paying attention is screaming at everybody like, "Stop the fighting! Stop the fighting! Stop the fighting!" It didn't help that there was a in Armenia there was like marches for peace. There was like big rallies in the summertime for like let's have peace. In Baku, the capital of Azerbaijan, there was a thirty thousand person march in favor of war. Which is like that's not what you're supposed to march for. Right. <laughs> you're Someone supposed to have anti-war marches. Right. Yeah. Were they like that? Did they have like whatever, like anti-peace? I'm just imagining a bunch of like people hippied out with protest signs, except it's like pro-war. Mm, I don't know. Probably they, not. I know probably that like, like a nationalist. A, yeah. There's like a nationalist, um, um, Turkish gray wolves hand signal that I don't particularly want to do. But sometimes they do that at, at, at nationalist rallies and stuff. But uh, yeah. I don't know. Again, again, uh, not all Turks and not all Azeris are bad people or enemies of the of Armenian existence. Um, but they're not in political power right now. And right, uh, it, 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 we need the international community to come together. 
um, to have more peaceful ways of reconciling uh, historical differences and yeah. stop shooting heavy rockets at residential areas, at apartment buildings, at apartment buildings and um, and homes, private res private residences, and schools and hospitals, and vans marked press have been specifically targeted by Azerbaijan as well because they banned the press from their territory and they claim that Artsakh is their territory. So they've said that no press is allowed. So they're totally able to go shoot them if they want or blow up their vans or whatever. It's a real shit show. It's a real shit show. Um, we're in the middle of a movie that has no ending yet. And it's a horror could, film. Well, it could be, or it could be a real a hero, uh, a story of oh, yeah. uh, human triumph. Right. It, it the act act one of the movie certainly is a horror show. Right. So, um, hey, uh, step up and help to make this a good story that gets told in the future. Yes. Yeah. And I'll go if people want to donate. Again, uh, there are those links there. Um. ArmeniaFund.org, ZartankMedia.com, yeah, ANC.org. Those are the those are the links to remember. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, let's I'll talk li to this. Oh, so should, I don't really want it. Hey, if you pay me some money, Ed Kemper, I'll respond to you. There's some troll in here. Who called me yeah. horse face, which is so I, funny because I don't have that. Uh, I, there's so many Osri trolls. If you post anything as an Ar Armenian online, you just immediately get um, death threats, threats for the extermination of your ethnicity, uh, an endless right. number of Turkish flags. Look at any post that Kim Kardashian does about Armenia, even if she doesn't mention Turkey. It's just endless right. racist intimidation. And since there's so few Armenians in the world, uh, the social media companies, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, don't care. Like Turkish and Azeri. Right, there's no, yeah. Yeah, Turkish and Azeri racist intimidation of Armenians like doesn't get flagged as racist because they're like, yawn, we don't have a guy on staff to even know what that is. Right, right. <laughs> so, so, and of course... This is a cyber war as well as a war on the ground. Uh, uh, a lot of Armenian web pages and charities and social media accounts got taken down in the first two days of the war because the Turks tried to silence the Armenians while they were carrying out their opening stages of their attack. Um, and they continue to wage a war with a lot of they have a population advantage. So that means they have an advantage in botnets and paid trolls. Right. Um, so unfortunately there's a lot of that shit that we have to deal with too well but thank you oh, but we're, we're we are we are we have survived now for a week armenia has survived this war for a week now we have survived worse this this could fall off the rails or it could humanity could be spared the worst to say nothing of the danger of the fact that if russia gets involved it's a nuclear power and and Turkey is a NATO member, which is which is so catastrophically bad. And that's why you need to realize that the struggle that Armenia is facing right now is also a struggle that the rest of the world is involved in, whether it 
yawns about it and cares to know the details or not. It is a armed struggle with no with intense ethnic hatred on one side and no solution in sight and the possibility of a nuclear escalation looming on the horizon. Yeah. So, um I think I think it's in the best interest of humanity to uh start paying more attention and and helping peace be achieved immediately. Yeah. I should have on Kachik Tololian, a NATO, uh, NATO uh, an Armenian, obviously, Tololian professor who started this book, this journal called Diaspora. He was like my favorite professor at Wesleyan. Yes. Do. I'll reach out to him. Do. Oh. Um, you're, you're always great to talk to. You're always up on the issues hmm. and you'd be funny and serious. You guys, Thank you, know, you. You, know what, you know what a treasure it is to have a friend like Katie Halper. I, I, oh. I'm sorry. Sorry, I don't get to see you. I, I haven't haven't been able to make it to New York in a while. I know. Oh wait, I want to ask you: Have you been to um, have you been to Armenia? No, I was trying and trying, and I I could never. I I can't do comedy in Armenian, so I had to go as a tourist. I didn't want to go alone. It's yeah. halfway around the world. Right. I've been trying to go for three years and never had like a two week period where I could get someone to go with me and I could like not work on stuff here. And I need to, I almost went last year. I just couldn't pull it together. Do you have family there? Distant, distant relatives, but no, we're, my Armenians are the Armenian where I'm descended from the Armenians. Uh, they're called Western Armenians. I'm, I'm descended from the Armenians is the Vaughn province in the city of Vaughn. And if you look at a map, it's on Turkey. It's in the, borders of Turkey today, and there are almost no Armenians there now. The Armenians that remain in the Vaughan province uh, had to basically kind of like uh, pretend that they weren't Armenian in order to survive. Uh, so there's now and here, in, and that's a whole, that's a whole, that's another discussion is like the Turkish people who find out that they're actually all Armenian or half Armenian, crypto Armenians. Yes. But the Armenian population of Vaughn mostly doesn't exist anymore. They were forced mm. out. Uh, they were forced out in the genocide and became part of the diaspora. And so, my ancestors yeah. are Armenian Americans from Vaughn. Vonitsis. Vonitsis, that's what it's called. Vonitsi, yeah. Vonitsi, that's, oh, cool. that's that particular uh, uh, brand of Armenian. Nice. Well. God, whatever willing, Bodhi, my dog who's in the city right now, Bodhi willing, there will be peace. Um, and yeah, I'm sorry about this. And this is really uh, something that should be paid attention to and isn't. Uh, what about Anna Kasparian? You got to get her talking <laughs> you about this. Know, you are better than I do. Katie, I got to give it to you. You're, you're, this isn't, you're not even a breaking news reporter. You're, you're, you're like ahead of there. This has basically not made it on any television news yeah. in the United States. A, a democracy major, now. Yeah, democracy now has not covered it. And I so think you're a couple days ago for thing. Yeah. Did they briefly give a blind eye? Uh, what do you call it? Flashing news item. You're ahead of the curve. This is the most in-depth discussion about the war of Azerbaijan against Armenia that's happened all week in the United yeah. States. So thank you, Katie Halper. Thank you. And I'll have you more. I'll a, have more people. You deserve a Peabody Award for this. Pea brain. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
Well, thank you. Um, and I will, yeah, uh, I'm sure I'll, some people at the grade zone should write about it. What's I'm that? Sure. Uh, we, I'll talk to some, well, I'll make some phone calls. I'll make some calls, make sure people know about it, but Just, really uh, helper, I will. Helper switchboard. Yeah. Helper switchboard. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, apparently RT has good coverage of it. That's all that always happens. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 there, there's a bias there. Uh, but yeah, right. they, they are covering it. They're a lot closer geographically. Right. Yeah. When I, their, bi yeah. their bias, I would say, is there's a, there's a pro-Russian bias. And Russia's oh, of course. Of course there is. I mean, I well, don't go to Russia to find out about, like, you you know, Crimea and Ukraine. Right. I mean, to Russia, to, to RT, but it's good on they're, a lot of things. Uh, that's the big mystery is what's Russia, Russia going to do. That's what everybody's kind of, like, waiting and watching to see. Anyway, it's a tough situation. Yeah. Well, yeah, get Joe Rogan on it. I I would laugh. I think that Joe Rogan should. Thanks, I, don't, I don't have I don't have any connection to Joe Rogan, but I think he should obviously have Serge Tonkin on as soon as possible. Yeah. System of a Down, Serge Tonkin, a great spokesman for the Armenian people, knows a lot more than I do. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and I think um he's famous enough Maybe. that Joe Rogan might have him on. Yeah, you hear that? People may not know that he's Armenian, so you should be plugging that a lot. Um, and um, okay, thank you again so much, James. Come back on. Thank oh, you, I Katie. like this. I'll read this out loud. Thank you. Katie is as personal as Joe Rogan as smart and wise as Chomsky. I'll take the I'll say uh, the first one without a doubt. Yeah, I think so. That's a slicey. That's a slicey compliment. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, okay. Uh, and James, thank you for coming on. Come on again. And, um, yeah, maybe we can do a, you should do one of our drinking games with us. I would love to. Thank you so much. Love thank to you. see you always, Katie. Thank you. Yeah, me too. And James is the thing I was going to say before is that's how I knew when we met, he was so smart. He's like, obviously hilarious, but also so smart and could respond in the funniest ways to questions as George Bush in a very, very like policy-ish ways because James, and by the way, you got to listen to the interviews I did with him. I'll make yeah. them on pub. One of them's behind the, you know, Patreon, but I, I'll, I'll unlock, unlock it. Um, very good um, uh, interview where we go in depth on some things and about his life and how he became politicized uh, and he used yeah. to be on the right. Yeah, it was yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. A couple years yeah. ago. Yeah. It's always great to talk to you. I hope I'll get to see you again. Yeah. Uh, and Thanks, not, not in the Dr. Strange love way. I know. Yeah. We'll be able to talk about something other than that. I'll stay on for a little bit to chat with people and make fun of Rachel Maddow and stuff. Um, thank you again so much, James. Bye, everybody. Thanks for watching. Bye. You're definitely going to want to join the Patreon for this week if you don't already belong at the $5 level. That's $5 a month. Of course, if you can't afford that, you can just support the show at $1 a month, but on this week's Patreon, I'm going to release James Adomian impersonating Jesse Ventura, as well as impersonating and discussing Alex Jones. Follow James on Twitter at jadomian, that's J-A-D-O-M-I-A-N. Follow Victor on Twitter at vpuji, that's V-P-O-U-G-Y. 